Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 141. Today my guest is Craig Rupp of Sabanto. And Sabanto is a company that I found on the internet, just kind of messing around one day, came across it and wanted to get more information on it, kind of started reading about it, and they were doing some pretty neat stuff. So I reached out to Craig and, and asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast, and he was gracious enough to be on there. So... Craig, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Casey. All right, man. Well, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, autonomous, autonomous vehicles and and you know machine automation and those kind of things are all something that I'm I'm really uh, really excited about the future of agriculture and what it looks like. And I uh, I'm a firm believer that as far as automation goes and as far as um, autonomous vehicles go, um, agriculture I think will lead the way. Um, in in our in the in the world industry, just because of a number of things when it comes to on farm labor and the size of farms and 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 the the amount of food that we're trying to extract from from every acre of ground that we plant worldwide that that uh, you know being exact and being uh, efficient is, is getting to be a bigger and bigger deal. So, Craig, why don't you tell me about yourself and why don't you tell me a little bit about Sabanto? Okay, myself. I grew up in Northwest Iowa on a farm, and when I graduated high school, uh, my older brother farmed, and I decided that farming wasn't for me. So I went and got an electrical engineering degree from Iowa State. Then I went to Chicago and worked in the wireless industry for quite a long time, almost 20 years of my career, uh, working primarily in cellular doing uh, a lot of signal processing, hardware development for the cellular market. And then um, I moved back to Iowa and uh, worked for John Deere and developed the Starfire Receiver Green Star Display. And then I started starting companies, and I one of the companies in particular I started was 640 Labs, and we were acquired in 2014 by Monsanto, and our, I guess, flagship product was the FieldView Drive. So the the drive that interfaces with FieldView, the cab app, uh, I was the guy behind that. And uh, so I spent a number of years at Monsanto, and then uh, I left Monsanto and continued my PhD, but then I got interested in taking autonomy into agriculture, and a friend of mine, Kyler Laird, my CTO out of Indiana, for the past two years, he and I had been talking as to where we think autonomy is going to go in agriculture, and, you know, we didn't think the market was moving fast enough, or at least the technology wasn't, and so we decided that let's go out and let's start autonomously performing farming operations. And back in October, uh, we decided that um, Kyler had been working on this for a number of years, and Kyler and I decided that we're going to go 
we're going to get a truck, a trailer, uh, a tractor, and a planter, and we're going to start autonomously planting across the U.S. And since October, um, we've been polishing up the software. Uh, we we leased a JCB 4220 tractor and fit that uh, with all the, our autonomous equipment, our controllers and peripherals and switches and and all that. Uh, and we've got a Harvest International planter. It's a twenty row, uh, probably eighteen row, twenty inch planter uh, for soybeans. We we didn't want to boil the ocean planting corn, so we decided that uh, let's let's start with soybeans this year and see where that goes. So over the past uh, couple months, you know, we started in Iowa. That was the only place that was dry, or the first place uh, that was dry. And then we um, we went to Nebraska. Uh, then we headed up to Minnesota, and then we uh, went to Illinois, and we're currently in Indiana right now, trying to finish up uh, acres for this season. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> tell me about about what you about your system, how it works, and and what is the uh, what's the overall outcome of what you're trying to uh, accomplish here. Okay. So how it works. So it is fully autonomous, meaning that we give it a path, we tell it what to do, where to drive, everything. And the the, the tracker on its own uh, is basically following our commands prior. So we, we load it up, and then it follows the path and, and finishes the field that way. Okay, so um, quick we, question. Quick question for meantime, you. Yeah. Okay, so question. Yeah, we're, we're, we're on the side supervising it. Okay. So this spring, there was always a visual. I had a, a chill switch in my hand at all times. I got you. And then my partner, Kyler, was sitting in an RV, and he was monitoring um, you know, the planter is monitoring the tractor, uh-huh. where it's at, where it's headed to, you know, if there are any errors that show up or if, you know, if there's any things like plug speed or uh, seed tubes or anything like that. So when you're, when the, when the tractor's out working, you set up a geofence around, <clears throat> around the, the field that you're working in, you set up your AB lines, all those different things, and then you go out and, you know, the tractor just goes. You're not you're not controlling it remotely or anything like that. It's just following GPS signal and in, in your pre-programmed, you know, geofence acres and, and those kind of things. That is correct. We we do have a number of of safety issues on there. One is you know the tractor certainly is geofenced. Um, so we take the boundary of the field. This this okay. So this spring, and one thing to note: this spring. We went through and I planted the headlands manually. Um, at, at least the first pass manually, I did. And that established the field boundary. We were a little concerned whether the farmer had, you know, the field boundaries or, you know, there could be down trees that we ran into. Uh, there, there could be some issues around, you know, a fence down or something like that. So I did the initial round. And then the, the 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 additional rounds in the headlands, um, it it was done autonomously, but I wanted to make sure that was so I sat in it while it did that. And then the internal, the inner area was was done, you know, through you know similar to AB lines, and and that was done 
by itself. Gotcha. It did that. Okay. All right. So as you as you as you got this machine now they're doing its <coughs> excuse me. As you got this machine working, tell me a little bit about you know some of your some of your successes and some of your uh, some of the stuff that you ran into that you maybe didn't didn't uh, necessarily anticipate happening. Uh, okay, so you know I mentioned the down tree. I mean, I, I knew you know that this would happen. Um, I didn't think it would happen this spring, but it, indeed it did. So we were not only were we farming, but we were doing a little bit of tree removal as well. Um, you know, we ran out to get experience and and try to see what the hurdles, what some of the constraints were. Um, you know, given the rainfall and and I guess the weather, you know, we soon learned, you know, just about you know the the, the wet the wet holes in fields. Um, we learned about. Uh, you know, we had equipment issues, uh, the planter issues, and it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't caused by harvester and acid by no means. But we had some three point hitch issues, quite a lot of them. We had some hydraulic issues. Um, you know, the JCB didn't have a case drain, and so we we had to plumb that in. Um, what are some of the other issues? I'm trying to think of some. We we had. You know, this was interesting. We had a lot of, initially, the first field we went to, we had a lot of uh, network issues. And, you know, I spent a half a day trying to figure out what what is going on here. And, you know, I was losing cellular coverage all the time. And then I found out that, you know, they're using cellular repeaters and cellular repeaters. And, you know, I, I happen to be a, a wireless guy, and I know that cellular repeaters, oftentimes, they go unstable. and and it causes cellular connectivity issues. Um, so, you know, that was an issue, definitely. Um, we had some GPS issues. It was, um, we had, uh, um, you know, getting RTK, sometimes it was going to float. Um, you know, so we got through that. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the other thing we learned, too, and when we were in Nebraska, one of the farmers there said something that kind of clued me in. He said, if you drive 100 miles, the agronomic practices are going to be different. And we certainly saw that. Uh, you know, given given my background, uh, Iowa, I, I fully, I knew that, I knew what I was going to expect in Iowa. When I went to Minnesota, Bristol Farms in Minnesota, that you know, it was kind of eye-opening as to those guys in Nebraska do things a hell of a lot different than the guys in Iowa. And, and the, you know, Shane really taught us a lot in uh, uh, Shane Bristol in Nebraska as to, you know, the agronomic practices in Nebraska. And, and they really helped us a lot setting up a planter, uh, you know the downforce, the, the trash cleaners, and the and the row closers to handle that no-till conditions up on their irrigated land, given all the trash that was on it. Yeah. Well, what was one of the? So you've talked about cellular coverage and some GPS stuff, but after doing all this stuff and kind of your first round out there, what was what was one of your? 
What what was the biggest limiting factor you think uh, consistently that that you ran into? Um, you know, it was probably related to our timing and our logistics, and with the weather as well. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, we got out there. We got out to Nebraska. We sat for three days on our hands waiting for the weather, uh, you know, it to get warm enough to dry up. So, you know, just like every other farmer in any, uh, you know, any fixed location, uh, it was, it was extremely difficult for us to, to, you know, go from one place to the other. Um, given, given the, the weather was, was, was was really tough to contend with. Yeah, you couldn't have picked a, probably a worse year to go out and, and try to test something brand new. It's, <laughs> you had yeah. you had about every possible problem you could come up with here. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, I know. I, I was the whole time I'm thinking, you know, why me? Why me? But I I, I know farmers uh, farmers do that every year, and you know I. Uh, I, I often said it's amazing that you see, you know, farmers out there who are over fifty years old. You think they die of stress by age forty-five? Yeah, yeah. They, they, there's, they're a resilient group of folks. That's for sure. That is definitely for sure. So, yeah. What was some of the big successes you had? You look back on what you're doing here. So now you've got a you got a fully autonomous setup here. You got a, a tractor driving itself. That's controlling the planter. That's controlling the hydraulic downforce. That's that's out. You know, looking at. Um, you know, are you are you loading like seed prescription rates and and those kind of things into the into the system, or are you just out just going and planning? I mean, how, how does how does all that work? And you know, maybe let's start with this first. What were some of the successes okay, so, that you had, kind of as you as you looked across yeah. it? Okay, um, for starters, we, we are not, we are not doing the agronomy. So the farmers they're responsible for. You give me a prescription. You tell me how deep you want it or how deep the seed to plant. Um, you give me the population, uh, and and they were out there and you know giving the thumbs up or thumbs down. You know, you know you need to. You know, I don't like your very your variance in your in your population. I want you to slow down. You know, a given amount. So, so they were out there doing doing the the agronomy and we were simply providing the service, nothing more, nothing less. I think I think and going back to your original question, what were some of the successes? You know, I look back and you know, as far as I know, we were the first ones to autonomously plant a farmer's field to this scale in Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, Illinois, and Indiana. And I think that was probably our biggest success. And and we walked away with, you know, an understanding of, you know, what it what it takes to autonomously uh, perform farming operations. On your on your planner that you have, did you have you know variable rate technology and and those kind of things where you could, you know, when you get the different soil types and in different areas that you can speed up and slow down your your population per by the row or, or or kind of what kind of technology did you have on your planner okay so we had uh full up precision seed meters uh, we were running the 2020 and we had downforce 
as well. Um, we did have speed tubes because uh, we, were, we were using, uh, we were planting soybeans, and that's quite a high population. Um, so, and, and, and that was all monitored remotely um, you know, during the, during, while we were out planting. Now that you've kind of had a chance to in the fields that didn't get flooded out with rain after you planted everything, but have you have you gone back and looked and see which how it worked and your emergence and those kind of things in those in those fields? <laughs> I certainly have. Uh, so I, I ran. I visited some of the fields we planted in Iowa, um, and you know I'm you know I'm not going to be the first one to say that everything was just. You know, everything was perfect, and I, I can tell that, you know, we struggled. You know, we had some GPS issues. Our guest rose sometimes were, you know, had some issues with it. Um, it wasn't perfect. It was it was good. There was some, you know, real shut-off timing that we could have improved on, but we later did. Um, but, you know, again, um you know, it was it was uh, version zero dot one, and we're going back to the drawing board. And you know, we looked at our productivity. You know, in particular, I mean, we were horrendous doing the headlands. It, 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 you know, it was I could have done it manually a heck of a lot faster than autonomously. And what was our problem? You know, our uh, our past planning. You know, we. We weren't very optimal in that aspect. So, you know, again, version 0 0.1, we're going to go back and we're going to fine-tune and improve and and try to make it a lot more um, efficient and optimal. Right on. Okay, so this is the other thing that I found very interesting about <clears throat> about your approach to this and how you did it. You didn't necessarily try to go out and reinvent the wheel, even though you are trying to make a tractor and a planter work by itself and with no human interaction other than just some monitoring. But but the, you took off-the-shelf stuff to make it work. So talk about that a little bit and, and how that system, uh, those systems you kind of put together into into one giant you know soup bowl and made it made it work. Yeah. Um, okay. Throughout my career, there was always this saying that engineers uh, uh, hated: if, um, if if you called someone and not invented here, then everything had to be developed uh, under your um, under your watch. I'm really not that type of guy. There are technologies out there that are certainly viable. And if I look at, like, a tractor, for example, I'm not going to redesign a tractor. That is not my forte, and I can't. I could I could maybe find some guys and put them in a room and develop a tractor, but, you know, I can go to a large tractor manufacturer, and they've forgotten more than I know. And why wouldn't I leverage their expertise in engine, hydraulics, Drive trailer, you know, hitch. You know, they actually they actually make very good products, and 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 I'm leveraging their expertise in, in my in my company. And I again, I have no desire to create equipment. I don't have any desire to do any agronomy. I'm going to leave the further than that. And back to that one guy in Nebraska that told me every every 
you know, hundred miles of agronomic practices are different. I'm going to leverage that farmer, and and he's going to tell me what he wants, what to use, how to plant, what population. This is the uh, this is the prescription. I'm I'm going to leverage that in the industry. Yep. Okay. So we try to automate it. Right. Okay. So now, like I said earlier, you know, I think this is one of those things where we are absolutely. I think we're on the cusp of it, right? I think we're <clears throat> all the different technologies that are out there, whether it's you know John Deere's technology or Trimble technology or whoever it is that's out there that 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 is really pushing um, you know this 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 envelope on on autonomy and and you know GPS signals and and all the stuff that goes along with it. <coughs> Excuse me. All stuff that goes along with it. We've had the ability for tractors to drive themselves for 20 years, right? I mean, it's not like this is anything new. We just have never really flipped that switch to go into that into that whole kind of broad spectrum. You know, we're going to set up a geofence and, and hope the tractor doesn't go through it type of thing, right? Um, yes. I feel like that we are three to five years away from that being a, a, a very mainstream part of agriculture. What's your opinion of that, and, and am I... Am I crazy? Am I, you know, going nuts here? I mean, what's your what's your opinion? What's your, I guess, broad based spectrum here of, of the future of autonomy and automation in agriculture? Well, I agree. It's three to five years out there. I I I always thought agriculture, believe it or not, is one of the most technically advanced industries out there. If you look at for example, GPS, auto steer guidance, and you, and you see you see what's going on in the automotive market. I tell people, well, farmers have been doing this for twenty years, and you know, I, a lot of people outside of the agriculture they have no idea as to the technology and how farming uses GPS, relies on it today, and. And if you look, that <laughs> that kind of took off extremely fast. I mean, it. I mean, it didn't. It didn't evolve over twenty years. It was, you know, it it evolved in a lot less time. So, farmers are in agriculture. They embrace technology more than I think people believe. And so, your three to five, uh, uh, three to five years, uh, I would agree on that. And I didn't think it was moving fast enough. And uh, there's certainly technology that's off the shelf that can facilitate it. And I wanted to, uh, well, Tyler and I, my, my partner and I, wanted to accelerate it and go out and start autonomously performing farming operations. Of the farmers that you came across in those fields that you worked, how many of them were more interested to see it, actually see if it was going to work, or how many of them had an actual business interest in what you were doing? Uh, well, I started to see a trend. Um, the acres that we lined up, the farmers that we were working with were, you know, they, they were 35 years old. They weren't 60. They were 35. Uh, and they were the guys that um, they embraced technology. They they 
you know, they were the guys that were conserving the GPS, uh, keeping all the, the data, um, and, you know, analyzing the data, looking at, looking at, at the equipment, making sure all the AV lines are in all the equipment. They, they were the, essentially the IT department for the farming operations. And those are, you know, the, those are the guys that are pushing agriculture or technology into agriculture. And, um, and they, they certainly welcomed, uh, autonomy in agriculture. And I've seen the exact same thing. I mean, it, it, it's that generation that's coming in, you know, like I work on the equipment side of the business. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I work on the equipment side of the business and, you know, those, those, the, the twenty somethings coming out of college, and then uh, the, you know the thirty somethings that are kind of stepping up to take over uh, the next the next generation, take over the farm or, or whatever it is. They are all looking for, you know, what's the easiest way for me to do this with the most most efficiency, but it's also going to drive the most dollars to the bottom line. Now, not to say that previous generations weren't doing that, but they were, but we, they're really utilizing technology, whether it's buying equipment on the internet or looking at, you know, the kind of the, you know, how eBay kind of evolved everything into what we see now in, in these online auctions and those kind of things. And, and they're not afraid to go buy something sight unseen and those kind of things. Um, it, it's a, it, it's really changing and it's rapidly changing. And, you know, guys in, in the business that I'm in, it, it is a, uh, it's something that we have to stay on top of and always be thinking, what you know? What's the next best thing out there? What's the next kind of evolution that we see happening? Um, you yeah. know, how how many of those folks did you talk to that that you worked with that said, you know what, uh, come back next year and after you've kind of done some tweaks and stuff like that, and let's see about putting it on my equipment and and see if we can't make it work that way. Yeah. Uh, so the the farmers that we have worked with uh, this spring, yeah, we're we're going to be visiting them either this fall or next spring to continue uh, a relationship and trying to optimize their farming operations as well. So it, it's, it's going to be ongoing, um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, again, it's going to be, you know, there's younger farmers that we're working with. They, they like to push the envelope and they're, uh, they embrace technology. So, um, we're we're going to continue relationships with those guys. Yeah. Did you ever get like a baseline? Go ahead. I was going to say, did you ever get uh, a you ever get like a baseline feel for what their what their drive to to technology was for that that extra edge there? I mean, was it truly just a you know, hey, we we just like this stuff because it's cool, or was there an underlying business kind of approach to what they were doing? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, so there were a lot of them have labor issues. You know, as, as they take on more acres, they need more labor. And where can they find labor? Labor's hard, you know, for them. And a lot of it is seasonal. So there's some issues there. You know, how, how do I get a guy? I need a guy for three months. Oh, and he's got to have a CDL, and he's got to be industrious enough to sit in the tractor and understand, 
you know, what's going on, the mechanics of it all, not to mention the technology, the, you know, con- uh, controlling the planter and making sure, you know, you're looking at the right gauges, the right monitors, and everything's going fine. It's, it's, it's tough for them to do that. It's a very specialized skill set that it's, it's hard for them to find. And, and, and they have to obviously be dependable and, and it's just very difficult for them. Meanwhile, you're looking at, you know, of course, you know, farmers have been squeezed by, by, you know, by all the industries out there. You know, they're the ones, uh, you know, basically taking on all the risk in agriculture, whereas everyone just sells some products. And they're, they're looking at ways to optimize their, their uh, operations. And, you know, they're looking at autonomy as a, a potential solution for them. If there was a fully automated solution out there right now that was, you know, fairly proven and, and had, a, had, a, had a, you know, decent track record and those kind of things, and we could go out and make it work. Um, I guess what's your what's going to be your sales approach? Like you know, most of the stuff that we've talked about here is is uh, you know, you're you're taking your solution and you're 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 finding stuff that already exists and, and kind of making it work together. So as you as you start making this thing work and you know, you, like you said, it's it's zero point one. You know, when you go to zero point two, what what's some of the what's some of the big um, I guess big goals you have set for next year, and as you start looking down the line, to really bring this on up to the uh, up to the masses and start, you know, having a having a sales force go out and sell this. Okay, my my goal next year is to go out with multiple systems and run multiple systems in a single field, and um, I guess mature the supervision of them. Uh, have remote have people sitting remotely monitoring uh, multiple machines in one field. That that is my ultimate goal next year. Have Have you thought about doing this with like a combine harvesting and and you know you got the planning solution that you're working on? Obviously, you're going to you know kind of get that thing worked out. But have, do you have a kind of a model in your head for for a harvesting solution? Yeah, uh, but harvesting is further down the line. Um, uh, harvesting's hard, and, and and you know there are certainly companies out there um, that are doing uh, they're automating grain carts, and I I applaud that. Um, I applaud that. Uh, you know, taking on that because that that is also uh, a labor. There's a labor issue with getting people to do grain carts. Um, the actual combine or the harvester automating that. Um, Making it fully autonomous. The, the one issue that you have to contend with is there's so much product coming out of the field, and that that's that's the real, I guess, the problem is you know you know a guy's getting you know two hundred three hundred bushels or two fifty bushels per acre. I mean, all that product is coming out, and then you know there's the, the trucking problem, and so we put some thought into it. You know, as to, you know, where, you know, when will we try to, you know, crack that? That's going to be years. That's, that's years from now. Um, you know, our plans are, uh, we're doing, so we've done planting. 
Um, I want to do maybe some applications and uh, some tillage uh, later this year, um, perhaps. Um, we're kind of formulating the plan right now. Uh, we're going to be done planting in, in probably a week to two weeks. Um, and then we'll probably go back to the drawing board and what next, you know, what can we do um, that would uh, that would further drive autonomy in the agriculture. Uh, that's to, to your point there with with the harvesting. Anything that I've read so far about autonomy has always revolved around either the planting or the tillage side and and the grain card application that you talked about. There was smart ag and those yeah. kind of fo- folks out there doing that. But um, the, har- the harvesting side of it's always the is the one side that is more. You know, the combine in in a lot of instances have become a, uh, a, a it's more of a control center where it's going to control everything around it, but it's still going to be a manned vehicle. And it, it sounds like that that's more of the kind of, you know, step one, phase one type of autonomy that we're going to be looking at. Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it might start off, you know, just being remotely controlled and then trying to, trying to automate it uh, as much as possible. Yep, yep. It's this is a fascinating subject, and it's just one of those ones that I just love talking about. Because, like I said, I'm a. I really. It's it's a, it's very neat. You know, we like you said earlier in the podcast. You know, um, when you start talking to people about the technology that's on farms right now and how long it's been in use, um, a lot of folks just kind of have that perception of farmers that they're just you know whatever you know they're not the most technically advanced people on the planet but that's furthest the furthest thing from the truth out there so um there's more technology on farms than there probably is in any other industry out there and uh you know i applaud the the folks for taking that that information that they gather every year whether it's yield data or you know from each individual each individual field or if it's you know the soil that they're looking at and how they can better utilize, you know, getting yields out of out of particular soils and different fields and all those kind of stuff. There's just so much technology out there that people don't realize is there. And I applaud uh, applaud you and your and uh, and uh, Tyler for uh, what you guys have done and what you're trying to trying to push forward. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it, it's I, I always you know so I have a, I know a lot of people who live in cities and you know Chicago New York LA they have no idea as to the, the competency of a farmer um, it is yeah, those guys are definitely ahead of the average person in terms of competency and 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 they're industrious every farmer I know you know what they're capable of doing Fixing, you know, fixing their 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 implements. Something happens, and they have to think right now: How am I going to get this fixed so I can plan my field, so I can, uh, you know, harvest? If I, if I can get through this season, what do I do? You know, they're really ingenious people, and I don't think the general public has any idea as to the level of their uh, of their knowledge and their ability to learn. Yeah. Yep, that is definitely true. Um, they think quick on their feet, and they're able to to move things forward pretty rapidly. So, uh, hats off to the American farmer. Um, well, Craig, oh, yeah. 
you know, I, I really appreciate you being on the podcast, man. And if uh, folks wanted to reach out to you and ask you questions about what you have going on, how would they do that? Uh, okay, so you can uh, go to our website at www.sabantoag.com, S-A-D-A-N-T-O-A-G.com, or you can email me at craig.rupp at sabantoag.com, C-R-A-I-G dot R-U-P-P at sabantoag.com. Well, Craig, thanks for being on, man, and uh, we'll catch you down the road. All right. Well, thank you very much, Casey. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Mellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.